0: We should really look at that from the lens of the CFO and the decision makers in the organization. Right now we're facing in learning development, that challenge of what are you doing here for the organization? We're losing people, we're losing talent. This is either your problem, your challenge to fix, or I need to know how I can save resources by not having you as a cost center in my organization. And so we're seeing that in the learning and development field, just as we are in other parts of HR. And that's really the challenge that's coming to us with the great resignation, if you want to call it that, right now.
1: Hi, all. Welcome to another episode of Hacking HR Podcast. We at Hacking HR, as you know, constantly look for unique themes and let's discuss challenges in HR. And today... We bring to you one such theme on how has great resignation changed the lens of learning and development in the organizations. We are talking today to a very interesting global thought leader, Chris Young, uh, who has more than two decades of experience in talent development and PhD in industrial and organization psychology. Hey, Chris, how are you? Great to have you with us today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: So uh, Chris, very interestingly, uh, it, it brought me to a thought that learning and development always existed, right? And um, it was always there in bits and parts because uh, CFOs uh, and business leaders would always uh, question what is in it for me and my team. What do you see has changed suddenly in the organizations that it has become the top, top priority in the strategic roadmap?
0: I think that's a great question. And we should really look at that from the lens of the CFO and the decision makers in the organization. Right now, we're facing in learning development that challenge of what are you doing here for the organization? We're losing people, we're losing talent. This is either your problem, your challenge to fix, or I need to know how I can save resources by not having you as a cost center in my organization. And so we're seeing that in the learning and development field, just as we are in other parts of HR. And that's really the challenge that's coming to us with the great resignation, if you want to call it that right now, is we're getting people who are asking us, well, what is the value of learning and development in our organization, even as people are walking out the door? So that's definitely something that we're dealing with right now in learning and development. And that speaks to what the great resignation means for us as learning and development, talent development, performance management professionals. And that's something I'm really passionate about and I want to talk about. Because the promise of learning and development has always been the same value-added proposition to our employees. It has always been, if you learn this, if you get this skill, you will get more money or you will get a better job. And so now the great resignation is teaching people, you don't have to do that extra stuff. If you go to your boss, you could probably get more money. If you put your resume out there, you could probably get a better job. And so those employees are now coming up to us in learning and development and saying, hey, I got the better job. I got more money. I didn't have to do a thing in learning and development. So why are y'all here? And that's the same challenge we're getting from the CFOs who are saying, you're training them and they're leaving. They're not staying with the organization. I still have to pay them more money. Why are you here? And that's the challenge that we're all facing in learning and development today.
1: At least said, Chris, and I think it's always the egg and the chicken story when it comes to the CFOs, numbers, uh, ROIs, and learning and development. So how do you see the chief learning officers and the HR leaders uh, taking this agenda more tactfully and strategically back to the board members and the leaders and ensuring that they're able to see the ROI despite the great resignation wave that is hitting the organizations lately.
0: That's a great question. And so we have two kinds of problems there, you know, those near-term problems and those long-term trends. And so that's really how we're phrasing the discussion with the senior leaders of the organization. And we're saying, yes. We acknowledge there's a great resignation, there's a great reshuffling happening right now, but that doesn't change the dynamic. If we're not competitive with our peers, if they're attracting talent by better salaries, better opportunities, better development opportunities, we got the same problem that we had in 2018 and that we have to keep pace with our peers. It goes back to this kind of long-term understanding that the shortage of talent is nothing new. This has been with us since June of 1999. And I want everyone to realize that for, for, a, uh, for our purposes in HR and learning and development, the labor force participation rate in Western civilization has been declining predictably and steadily since 1999. Every morning since 1999, Your HR team has woken up and said, today is going to be the hardest day to hire people. And that has continued every single day for the last 23 years, and will continue for the next 17 years. That doesn't change the calculation for our senior leaders that we still need to pay, we still needed to develop, we still need to work on succession planning, we still need to plan for who comes next. So you can't save a quick buck by cutting recruiting, by cutting staffing, by cutting organizational development, by cutting l because these problems aren't gonna go away.
1: Very true. So do you see that there is a need for innovation and uh, some bit of reflection by the HR leaders along with the business leaders in the agenda for the learning and development in their organizations?
0: I think that's a fair question, and it is something we're going to have to have a a talk about with our CFOs, because at the end of the day, they only have so much money to spend on us, and we're a cost center in learning and development, so we have to increase our value-added proposition, so those near-term issues we need to focus on are what I'm calling kind of uh, ruthless automation, so when I say that, I mean that we no longer have the luxury of five-day-long instructor-led training events. That is 1980s thinking. That's maybe 1990s thinking for some of our organizations. But for us here and today, the focus of training and development is about performance, immediate performance. This is not necessarily the same as education where it's about developing holistic human beings. In training and development, it's immediately applicable to performance. So we have to be ruthless in our discussions with leaders about what they want out of us in training. And we have to focus on them and their outcomes. If their outcomes are performance, most of the time we should be suggesting solutions that do not involve our training and development shots. If we can solve a problem with a sticky note on uh, the laptop of someone's computer, then that's how we solve that problem and it doesn't cost us five days of training. So we have to be ruthless in how we're getting as much efficiency out of our performance-based solutions as we are with any other aspect of our organization.
1: True, but I think somewhere uh, when it comes to the digital transformation on learning and development front as you rightly brought up, uh, it's still about putting the content in there, uh, marking the days uh, in terms of how many learning hours have been spent. Plugging that back into the performance management and ensuring that the person has completed the desired hours to be able to uh, at least cross the mark of meets expectation. So how do you see that digital transformation can actually become more of a profitable ROI from the learning and development agenda and also business can start seeing more uh, relevant contribution through digital di- digitization?
0: So that's a good point. We have access to more tools than we've ever had before. And so our default is always to look to some sort of learning management system to count how many times we can check a box. So that's both good and bad. That box checking doesn't tell me whether or not that person is performing on the job or that the business is getting the outcome they want. But we do have so much more data available to us we can see a lot more and we can count new things in new and interesting ways. So it's always my recommendation that we get away from just counting what I refer to as rears and chairs, and we get more to performance-based outcomes. We can track very clearly who took accounting 101, and then we can look at our financial management system and see how many mistakes that that individual user made in the system. Correlating those two things is gonna tell you whether or not your accounting 101 class had anything to do with that outcome. And if it didn't have anything to do with that outcome, then you can have a sophisticated conversation about, do we even need this course? Or conversely, when you do see the people that have taken accounting 203 make less mistakes statistically than anyone else in the system, you can very clearly say to the CFO, accounting 203, leads to better performance outcomes. So we have this burden of collecting all this data. The second step of that is telling a data story that shows a very clear correlation, a very clear outcome that we can demonstrate in simple terms to our decision makers.
1: Super, so uh, since you mentioned about the data stories and uh, we were talking also about the te- technology piece in the l how it's impacting. My immediate reference question then is, um, as far as the CLOs are concerned and the HR leaders are concerned uh, who are specifically looking at the learning and development agenda, how is it that they can move beyond just being a learning and development function to a strategic partner with the businesses so that the learning, as you said in the beginning, becomes more of a performance outcome uh, and a result orientation outcome rather than just uh, one of the checkbox that we have been referencing back?
0: So that's a great question, and there are a lot of different ways to approach that. Probably the simplest way for chief learning officers or, you know, learning and development shops of one and these smaller shops that are seem to be shrinking every day is let's keep it real simple. Every single organization has a strategic vision, some sort of mission, some sort of tr- strategic goals. You should be able to look through your entire training catalog, look at A 255 character abstract and say this clearly ties to strategic objective one or strategic objective three and you should be able to categorize your catalog and say these are nice to haves these are tied directly to what the business does every day and these are supporting courses and then start with categorizing your catalog that way and then prioritize the ones that are tied directly to the business functions those are where you can clearly show this course is supposed to tie directly to this strategic objective which i know other shops are already measuring so i just need to go steal their data match it to my data and i can tell very clear stories right from the get go naturally there's other all sorts of other stuff that's nice to have it's you know dealing with difficult people that applies to everything that's a nice to have, and that's a solved problem that you can buy from somewhere else where you need it. Focus on the stuff that is related directly to your core business functions and be able to defend to your CEO, your CFO, this is why we spend money on this class.
1: Amazing. So um, with that thought since we were referring to the great resignation and how it has changed the whole dynamics for the learning and development fraternity. My next question to you, uh, what is it that the organizations can do and look beyond just the resignation as one of the crucial factors to making learning and development more of a purpose-driven agenda in the organization so that individuals, even if they feel that they have learned enough and it's time to move on, they are encouraged to do so, so that they can come back in the organization at some later point of time with new dimensions and new perspectives in the business.
0: I think that's a great question because when we start talking about great resignation, we always end up worrying about the units that are losing the most folks. And that makes perfect sense. When you say great resignation and you see a unit that's losing 30% of its staff, then you worry, oh my gosh, here's the great resignation right in front of me. High-performing teams out there right now are not losing people. They're growing. They're getting the people who are resigning from your units that are not doing so well. So that means that the people that are coming to you saying, I have a great resignation problem, they've got bigger problems than just resigning. They've got people in organizations that feel frustrated, that aren't happy, that are on toxic environments, that are working for bad bosses, that see no career growth potential. For those folks, for those senior leaders, I say you got bigger OD problems, organizational development problems. But as a learning and development professional, I say, I wanna help you fix some things immediately. So there are some things that you recognize in your organization that are universally important. So if you're in a project organization, you know you always need to build more project managers. If you're in a kind of consulting organization, you know you always need to build more change managers. If you're in a revenue generating organization, you always need folks with financial acumen. With data, it's data analysis. So learning and development professionals coming up with generic learning paths and learning programs that you can immediately hand to a unit and say, we need your people to be competent in these four things these four areas will always help our organization even if your unit isn't here tomorrow even if everybody resigns i still need you to be able to do x y z and a so being able to share those sorts of opportunities for career development is going to immediately help folks in that unit say oh well there might be an opportunity for me here. Or, oh, there is career development. Or, oh, I may need to go to another organization, but they're helping me. That's going to immediately staunch the blood loss we're seeing with the Great Resignation. And it's going to immediately impact you on the long-term planning that your unit needs to be doing. You need to be ready for what happens after the Great Resignation. Because if you survive and you're still here, You must still be valuable to the organization, whether it's your unit or you as an individual. So what happens next?
1: Super, so as we're getting closer to the end, I'd like you to ask the last question. And that is, agility, learning agility, let me say that, is the buzzword right now in the market. Let's become agile. Learning has to be in such a way that it can be done anywhere, any place, blah, 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 blah. So, given that <laughs> as the background, <laughs> uh, what what really does learning agility mean? Because what I see in organizations often is that uh, the HR teams go out in the market, do a benchmark survey, come back, and say, "Hey, it's working for top three organizations in a certain way, as far as the LD strategy is concerned. Let's get it back into our organization as best practices and go ahead with it and run it, even though it may not be giving the desired results." So, uh, when we say learning agility, our, our, our listeners would love to know what it is all about and how is it that it can bring in more strategic dimensions to the great resignation and the learning and development strategy in the organizations.
0: I certainly appreciate that, uh, that question, because I'm going to be real bold here and say that I'm not a fan of nonsense words. So we hear a lot of nonsense words out there. And unfortunately, The term agile is starting to trend towards nonsense words. And I feel for agile because when it was first thought up, somebody had some really good ideas, just like synergy used to be a great word until we turned it into a nonsense word. Agile is starting to become a nonsense word. It's starting to be code for other problems, other things you didn't fix, other organizational challenges. And that's why I'm concerned about it. So we are always chasing benchmarks. So what do you do in an organization where there are no benchmarks? Well, what's the first thing our CEOs and CFOs do? They run out and they read whatever shows up in their Google internet search, which is all bought and paid for. Everybody pays for all that. There is not a single organization out there unless it ends with .gov anywhere in the world, it's in the money making business. So I warn all of our CEOs, hey, you may have read that in, mm, I don't know, um, hbs.org. There's an emphasis on that BS because they're selling ad space in there. So if they told you everything needs to be hybrid tomorrow, everything's gotta be agile tomorrow, it's time to time out. Human brains have not changed much in about the last 30,000 years. So even though there's something you read about on a news wire last week, it might not be the best solution for your organization. Which is where L and D and HR come into the picture. We're the gatekeepers. We're supposed to take that nonsense that the CEO found in a Sunday morning um, news service, and we're supposed to interpret it and make sure it makes sense for the organization. Some ideas are good. Some ideas are absolutely inappropriate for your organization. So the HR, the OD, the performance management uh, professionals in your organization, they need to take that idea, distill it down into its core functions, and then compare it to what you're already doing. If agile in this context just means do it faster, then okay, then let's look at our catalog and see if there's a way to gain efficiencies understanding that human brains haven't changed much in 30,000 years. I can't want you to be faster and expect better outcomes. So putting that human aspect into all this nonsense that's swirling around the heads of our CEOs that that are getting bombarded with, that's our role in HR and L&D and performance management and OD to make sure that we're really providing the voice of the customer, the employee, and the organization to make sure they're getting the right solution to get the better organizational
1: outcomes. Amazing. Thank you, Chris, for sharing all these insights and spending time with us on this podcast. Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of Hacking HR Podcast, and I will see you all soon. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to
0: this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter, so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue
1: to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.